This episode of Tax Season is brought to you by Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed specifically for coarse, curly hair and sensitive skin. Start shaving smarter and say goodbye to razor bumps of Bevel. Check out GetBevel.com today and use code TAXSTONE to get the first month of your Bevel subscription for free. Just go to G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L.com and use code TAXSTONE at checkout. Just go to G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L.com and use code TAXSTONE at checkout. Say hello to the bad guy tax season. Yeah, we back once again, man. Um, doing the Philly show, May 6th. Um, I think it's like 20 tickets left. Make sure y'all buy the rest of those. Um, what else we doing? Do say trap house, man. Make sure y'all follow the do say trap house page on Instagram so we can send you an invite to the do say trap house. It's a very exclusive event. It's not for everybody. I'm not going to lie to you. It's possible that you could get turned down at the door, dressed to impress, come fly. Think Biggie one more chance. You know, think, think what heavy, heavy D would think if you came to the door and you was moving wrong. You know what I mean? Y'all need to think with a little bit more smartness. You know, y'all need to be more, more, more strategic, with your movements and you definitely want to place the correct garments on your skin for do say trap house. We will be sending out the invites, the address and the date because everything is a secret with do say trap house. And it's a very exclusive event, man. And everybody is going to have a ball. I promise you. So make sure y'all link up to the, um, do say trap house event. I'm about to bring Dr. Maya Pettiford back on for another therapy episode you know the first one was very intense those of you who haven't heard the first therapy episode go back in my episodes and listen to the therapy episode with dr my pedophile it was insightful and i felt that i should do another session with her and i'm considering getting therapy because something probably is really wrong with me god bless tax season say hello to the bad guy tax season we back. This is our second therapy episode. We're here with Dr. Maya Pettiford. For those of you who didn't hear the first one, you should go back and listen to the first therapy episode. It was real good. She asked me some questions, you know. I'm not used to being the one being interviewed, so it was a it was a great discussion and and I felt like I needed to speak to her again. Being that I'm a year in. So I said, let me um close Sister Pettiford up and get this rocking. Dr. Maya Pettiford, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Maintaining, trying to make it out here. I'm doing very well. I think so. <laughs> so tell me what prompted your requesting that I come here again I just felt like I should um I just felt the last conversation we had was good and then if we you know we do another one that it would you know a lot of stuff that you said to me like like I thought about it like months later like I forgot what you called me you called me a um a panda or, or something a baby panda a baby because you wanted to be a lion it was just little stuff that stuck out to me and just always, you know, stayed in my head. And I was like, yeah, I would like to speak to her again. She did spark a lot of um, thought 
my head. Mm. And I felt like another conversation with you would be great. Long overdue. You know, actually, I, I owe you an apology. Mm. Do you? I do. Um, the last time that I was here, I really tried to push therapy on you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of my biggest um, issues as a therapist is that sometimes I'm heavy-handed when I see that there's great potential for change. And so I kept pushing it and pushing it. And sometimes people need therapy just once a year. Mm. So here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Once a year, we back. My pedophile. So, so it's new. You're asking me what's n- n- absolutely nothing's new with me. Nothing's new. Same routine. Same routine. Um, celebrating my daughter's ninth birthday this Saturday. That's special to me. That's great. Yeah. Um, but no, I do have to thank you for um, the publicity. Yeah. Uh, Was uh, it good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think actually you've opened up um, the possibility of having a new niche. People who are underground doing illegal activities, feeling like they need someone to talk to and they felt safe enough to contact me. Mm. Also, people contacted you? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. So, Dude's out here selling drugs, talking to your therapist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Quote unquote scammers, all kinds of people with... Criminal, yeah, backgrounds, incarceration, potential incarceration, cases. Mm. Yeah. Needed somebody to speak to. Absolutely. That's cool. Sometimes, you know, what I have realized is that, um, you know, I have a violent criminal history. And what I have realized with being violent came from a lot of times not expressing myself. Like, I would... If I had an issue with some people, and to this day, it's probably still the same way to a certain degree. And mm-hmm. I, that's why I always tell people Twitter is my therapy because I get the release mm-hmm. and just and tweet and talk away my thoughts. A lot of times I'll, um, I'll convict the person in my head. Like, I won't tell you you're on trial, nothing. You're just convicted. So that's why I just, like, it, uh, instead of we could have probably spoke things out, I would usually just jump straight to the violence because I didn't even speak to the person at all. I would just come to any the conclusions all of alone in my head, exactly what it was. And what I realized is that when I talk about things or speak to people about things, I usually, I can avoid being violent. So what you're talking about sounds like the conversations give you moments for pause. Exactly. And they give you a moment to think more and Think about the other possibilities instead of just coming straight to that conclusion that, all right, this is what it is, Mm -hmm. you know? But if that behavior is not modeled for you during your childhood, then how can you expect to be able to communicate well in adulthood? You can't. Yeah. And so actually that's a lot of what I do in therapy with my, my patients is to teach them how to pause, become thoughtful, and communicate. And sometimes it takes role play. I pretend that I'm that, that person. We go back and forth so that they can feel comfortable actually communicating their feelings. Because sometimes when you communicate your feelings, you experience a sense of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. 
Has it ever happened to you? Well, yeah. Now, you know, I don't like I don't know, man. With me, it's certain word like vulnerable is like a word that's like out of my vocabulary because it's like I don't ever feel like I'm vulnerable. To oh, like what? To anything. You know, I I think the way I was raised was like to be like, you know, recently um there's been a lot of talk about suicide like online and I remember before I um I used to talk shit about people that committed suicide. What would you say? I would just be like it's stupid, nobody cares or you know um I just I didn't understand it. You know, so I felt like it was it was it was a weak thing to do. So, but the more and more I started hearing of people that tried to commit suicide or or had people that committed suicide, I became a little bit more compassionate towards, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I sympathized, gave more empathy towards the situation, basically. And I had to, like, really realize that, like, yo, there's people out there that have mental problems. It's not just that they want to kill themselves. Like, it's a mental issue, you know? And just little things like that becoming sensitive to certain things is that's like what I need to learn. I don't know how to be sensitive to certain things cause I'm not too sensitive to much. And what I have realized with that is that, um, when I, when I, when I do it, I act, I, it actually feels better. Like <laughs> I, I get, you know, cause I attack a lot, you know, I like yes. to, I like to, I like to teach, but my teachings sometimes become attacks. And I I think the, depending on the type of person that I'm, I'm teaching, they might take it as an attack if they're, you know, sometimes weak minded or don't have a strong enough backbone or used to being everything being sugar coated, you know, stuff like that. So they're not used to my way of expressing or teaching. You know, so it becomes, oh, you're always attacking somebody or and it'd be like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not really attacking. That's just my way of, you know. But you just said that it is attacking. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a attack. It, the method, the method is to attack you. Actually, it is. Okay. It's to attack the thought process so you could change whatever it might be or to teach like, yo, this is what we got to do. You know, for instance, like what I've, I've been preaching for a long time on um, supporting black businesses mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, when I when I speak to kids about it or different people. I don't really give too much explanations because I feel like it's there. So I'd be like, support black business. That's it. Because if we don't, we die. You know what I mean? So I jump, you know, I jump the conclusion. I won't really give the the middle of Mm -hmm. exactly why. It's like, yo, just think about it in that context. If I tell you, you know, for instance, I told a kid, he was like, he's on Xannies and stuff. And I was like, yo, if you keep. Xanax? Yeah. Okay. If you keep using Xanax, you're going to end up sucking dick. And how do you come to that conclusion? I, I don't. The, but the reason I said it, the okay. reason I said it, it was trying to teach him like, yo, is that bad? If you feel if you think everything is gay and you're, you're like homophobic and stuff like that, if you keep using Xanax, you end up sucking dick. You know what I mean? So it's like far fetched, but it's like it's like trying to teach you like it's bad. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So if you don't like that 
that's what you'll end up doing if you stay on that, you know? So your method is heavy-handed. Does that sound familiar? Didn't we just talk about how? Yeah. And and you didn't respond very well to that. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not going there. No, no therapy. No, no therapy. <laughs> so how do you expect people to actually hear you? Because that's, you're making exceptionally important points, but your points can't be heard because your message is like a steamroller. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that, you know, um, I always tell people like women, I like women a lot. I grew up with a whole bunch of women. I observe women a lot. So that's why I always speak about them in certain things. And some women think that I bash women and I never felt like I've bashed women truthfully. You know what I mean? But I guess some people are sensitive to what to to certain ways I might deliver things, you know? Okay. So can you step out of yourself, honestly, and assess how it is that you communicate about women? Are you at all disrespectful? Well, I, I'm like probably always disrespectful. And because what I do is this, um, what I've learned is that, you know, like, for instance, on Twitter, you know, I, I became like real popular off of Twitter. Mm-hmm. And what I learned on Twitter was I would reach out to certain people on Twitter and I would say things, kind things. And I could never get a response. And when I would say shit like, yo, you fucking dickhead, I would get the response. Or I would say, you dumb bitch, I would get the response. And, you know, that's a method that I've been using for years, actually. So I always try to, even when I'm educated, especially kids, like, I feel like, you know, teachers and certain people, professionals, they think the way to talk to kids are being this super professional, but it's like sometimes you got to be a little bit of the kid too. Absolutely. In order to get the message through. So when I speak to kids opposed to somebody else speaking to kids, I think sometimes they get the message more because I'm speaking to them from a, a street aspect or a dude that they, a, a, a person that's not a, 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 a family, you know, figure they like, like, you know, person that they, they look, they, they supposed to listen to. An authoritarian. Yeah, uh-huh. it's just somebody that's just there that you would figure. just, you know, uh, if it was a dude on a corner that you might have looked up to and he's sitting there telling you these things, you might listen to it more than when your parents are telling you or a teacher or certain professionals because how it comes across is like, oh, it's boring. You don't understand me. So when I speak to kids and I'd be like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? What you mean you out there selling crack? Or, you know what I mean? Well, I think that that type of communication is especially effective with adolescents Mm -hmm. and young adults. I give you that. However, let's go back to how speaking harshly and disrespectfully towards certain people garners greater attention and response. Mm -hmm. Say hello to the bad guy. Because the bad guy gets attention. Mm -hmm. Would you ever have your promo, say hello to the good guy? No. See, the bad guy is it's a it's a whole aura around it, you know. I know people that people like and that you know, like it's people that some people might really think I'm a bad person, you know. I think my delivery is probably harsh and um, my truths are harsh. So you know, just like I said, people you know people are real sensitive, so people like to hide things and don't say certain things because they don't, they want to spare people's feelings. On the other hand, I'm not a a feeling sparer. It's just, 
It's go. It's you're going to feel this right now. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. And what I have learned is that it does work for a lot of people. But for a lot of people, they put up a big wall. You know, they're like, no, get him away from me or, you know, or don't like me at all because they're used to being talked to, sugarcoated. And me personally, what I realized in my life was that when people sugarcoated things to me, my mother, my my my, my parents, my yeah. the people that raised me, mm. it made things worse. How so? Because you sometimes when you don't give people a, the the straight raw truth and you sugarcoat things, they sugar they get sugarcoated in their head, so they don't take certain things seriously, or they don't, and then it, it, it's detrimental to you. Yes. So I don't want to deliver a sugar-coated message to anybody. I want to deliver it all the way raw. So when it happens, they don't say, oh, tax told me this. They be like, well, tax did say that. It's exactly what he said. So I don't really like to cut around and try to spare people's feelings and try to make sure you have a nice day when I say it. Like, I want to fuck your day up so you can remember it sometimes. I want to say the things to you and be like, yo, man, yo, you keep doing that bullshit, this, that, and the third. I want you to think about it later. Because just like I said, when the dis- even though, even though it's, it might be some sort of disrespect in it, it's a message in it. You know, so just like I said, like, when even when I promote things on Twitter... Mm. I might joke, I might um, talk to girls, whatever it might be, and then I'll promote because you have to feed and then I'll drop a jewel about something or give some knowledge. You got to feed the kids the, the candy through the medicine sometimes and a lot of times. And that's what I've learned to do with the masses. Like if I sat on my Twitter all day um, just dropping jewels about whatever it might be, I won't gain a certain following, you know, certain people won't come there to look because they don't want those jewels. Certain people don't want those jewels. They want the jewels scattered here and there. But if I, if I, if I joke and crack jokes with them, they there for the jokes and the the harsh jokes and the harsh jokes. And then they'll get the jewel in between the vitriol and the spleen, all the, the nastiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When was the first time someone didn't sugarcoat something for you? Hmm. I'm not really sure, man. You know, I think I think when I've when I snapped out of the whole sugarcoating age is when I went to jail. At um, what age? Um around then when, when did I go to the sprungs and the sprungs? I was in the sprungs and I was about maybe sixteen. Knew you were still a baby. Yeah. And, you know, from that, it just comes from, you know how, you know, in in the hood, like, everybody knows about people that caught the same crime. So you always think you know about what time you're going to get or what you're facing or how much bail you might get. And mm-hmm. when, when that's when I, like, snapped out of the bullshit because I thought I couldn't get caught for anything. So when I finally started getting caught, it was like, you know what? I got to understand that I'm out here doing crime. I'm going to go to jail because I'm doing crime. Jail is always a possibility. And that's what happens with people in the street. They sugarcoat what they do. So they don't realize really that they're doing crime until they get caught. Sometimes they really sit in there blaming the officer, not realizing that they really was, you know. So you had a false, you had a, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. You had a false sense of what, 
imprisonment would be like because the people in your neighborhood who committed crimes, who did time, they came back and they were like, it's good. It's easy. It was it was more or less like, you know, you seeing a dude get, you know, back in the days you would get locked up for a gun. Guys would get a six, five split. That's six months in jail, five years probation. And now it's three and a half years minimum for hmm. a gun. So, you know, I, before you would carry a gun and be like, oh, I'm only getting six months. And then when I started carrying guns, the laws change, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like things like that make you come to realization when you really get locked up and go to jail for the things that you was doing. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you'd be like, yo, everything in life has to be straightforward. I don't want it sugar-coated. I want it as raw as possible. That's the only way I'm going to understand it. You know what I mean? Okay, so the men who came back to your neighborhood after they had spent time in prison, they're not going to. They weren't going to come back to you and tell you how it really was, Mm -hmm. how they were lonely, how they were depressed, how they had been manipulated, how they were regretful, Mm -hmm. how they wished that they had not done it. No, they have to save face. So they give you a false sense of what it was like. And you kept sugar-coated version. Exactly. (laughs) And so the first time you got arrested, I am so sure that you were um, shaking your pants. No, I actually wasn't. That's the crazy shit. And that's what makes me sad, man. Yo, seriously, I like I always thought about this. And it was like when the first time I went to jail was like one of the most exciting times of my life. I was happy. For what reason? I wanted to go back home and say I went to Rikers. So it gave you street credibility. Yeah, it was like it was like you know. I always tell um, Beanie Siegel was one of my favorite rappers. He had mm-hmm. a record called um, "What's Your Life Like," um, and it's a jail record, a record about jail. At this time when this record came out, I don't even think I ever went to jail before. I don't believe. Yeah, I don't think I went to jail at this time. And I used to love that record. And I and I knew something was wrong with me then. Like I knew it. I was like, wait up, something is wrong with me because I like this record too much and it's purely about jail and it's actually about the bad side of jail. It's not like people rapping like they was having fun in jail. It's about the struggles, you know what I mean? Washing your drawers out in the same water that you shit and piss, you know? And wow. I love that record. And that's when I knew I was like, listen, that's when I knew something was wrong. I'm like, I shouldn't like this record. I've never been to jail before. And none of this shit sounds fun, you know. And when I went to jail, it was like, you know, it's a badge in the neighborhood to do things like that. And that's why I speak to kids and let them know, like, motherfucker, you're going to go to jail and go fuck your life up. Like, seriously. Like, I just did a um a podcast with Premium Pete a mm-hmm. couple minutes ago. And they was talking about... um people going to jail damn i forgot what the fuck i was about to say i lose my train of thought a lot i think it's the weed we're gonna get to that in a minute (laughs) we're gonna revisit because i need to do a checklist and check in on everything that we talked about i think what happened was is that as a defense against all that you had experienced meaning losing your father you know having to deal with Poverty, not yourself necessarily, but being in an impoverished neighborhood, having your teachers disrespect you and not really honor and appreciate your intelligence. You became desensitized very early. So if these people around you are not respecting you and giving you your just due, your dap, why not excel and be happy about the other side and get that badge through going to jail? That makes sense to me, given who you are, your experience. 
But let's go back to your harshness with other people. Because it seems to me that you have a sense, it's a dichotomous thinking. It's one or the other, either sugarcoating it or steamrolling people. And we talked about this last time because you do bully people mm-hmm. on Twitter. I do. Absolutely. And it's mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. People almost give themselves to you in that way. They do. And because you are so smart and your processing speed is so quick, it's just easy for you to just respond. Mm-hmm. But I've got to implore you to consider slowing down and pausing because you're not where you were a year ago. In order to maintain your success and your greatness and to be able to spread the messages that you do that are positive, you have to be able to check yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what weed does for me. It checks me. Nice segue. You still smoking? Yes. How much? Uh, enough. Daily? Yeah. Um, I told you it's really uh, I know. a big part of... I know, and we calming me down. I remember the um, was it was it a podcast or a tweet where you uh, were talking about being in the back of an Uber mm. and spazzing out, yeah, and needing to smoke immediately because you were out of control, like mm. you were an internal whirling dervish. You were like a storm. Yeah, definitely, definitely was. And so the weed helps to alleviate that. The weed calms me down. The weed gives me, uh, it slows me down. It gives me a chance to, like, think a little bit more rational. Yep. Because um, for those of you that don't know of, of what we're speaking, uh, was it a podcast or was it? Yeah, I was talking about it. Right, on Combat Jack, I think. And uh, Daryl said that he was in the back of an Uber and they were stuck in traffic. And you started to get more and more heated the longer you had to mm-hmm. remain in the Uber. So my hypothesis is that you were anxious because you lacked control in that situation. When things are easy and they go the way they want you to go, the, you, the way you like for them to go, you can cope and you don't need the marijuana necessarily in that particular moment. However, it sounded to me that you were close to having a panic attack. No, nah, it was. It was. It was. It was so serious that I got scared because I knew, like, I knew what my next moments was. Like, that's why. That's when I was like, "Yo, weed really does help me in a lot of situations." Because I only seen myself waking up in intake on Rikers Island. Like, I knew what it was going. So it was like, I was scared. I was like, damn, I don't ever want, I don't want to be like that. Like, I don't ever want to feel like that again because that could have went the wrong way. Okay, so tell me, can you recall what was going on? I mean, I have a sense of it, but can you revisit that? Well, it was a whole bunch of traffic, of course, and then the Uber driver just wouldn't listen. To what? To me. What were you telling him? Giving him directions. I was telling him certain blocks to go up to. He kept telling me what his GPS was saying. And I kept telling him, I don't care what your GPS is telling you. I'm telling you to go this way. Mm-hmm. And he would go the way I would tell him to go and then just make a turn. Like literally just a, a random turn. term. Yeah, a turn. Nobody told him or the GPS told him to make. So I'm looking at the GPS now 
and I'm watching him. But what I have realized about these Uber drivers is that if they think that you're not from around, you know, or certain things, they will drive you around in circles. Like he literally did that to me. I was in Jersey and I was in one place I, I looked because that's how I usually tell what places are by landmarks. I really don't look at street mm-hmm, signs. Mm-hmm. I look at landmarks and I seen it. And 20 minutes later, we was right back in front of it again. And like, that's when I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? Was there a language barrier? Was was this person? He was trying to fake his language. He was like, um, probably Ukrainian. Or Russian. I grew up around a lot of Russians, so I usually... Okay, so just humor me this, because I've only taken Uber once, mm. and somebody else paid for it. Do they charge you per mile, what? It's mile time. Okay, so you thought you were being taken, and you felt like he no, was not... He was definitely taking me. <laughs> okay, okay. So, what thoughts were running through your mind? I wanted to, um... I wanted to choke him. You know what I mean? And I choked somebody before in the car while I was driving. Like, and I, and that's why I always, that's why I'm, I'm always fearful of myself when I get mad yep. because I don't even care if I hurt myself as long as I hurt you. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's when I knew that I was like, damn, I got too amped up because I was this close to like really choking him from behind while he was driving. <clears throat> and not a quick choke, you know what I mean? Like, I really wanted to choke him. And that's when I knew, I was like, damn, I like, I just started breathing. And I was like trying to calm myself down because I was like, yo, the, I just, I don't know what it was. It was just the energy that like jumped into me that I couldn't control. But I did control it. And that's, I was happy about that because I'm not used to ever controlling it. Well, that just demonstrates that you have the capability. It's just you need to be more willing to access those skills and those tools in those moments. Okay, we're going to take a moment to interrupt this very serious podcast to lighten the mood up a little bit and talk about something a little bit funny for a moment. Specifically, want to talk to you about the new WNYC podcast, Two Dope Queens. It features comedians Phoebe Robinson and Jessica Williams from The Daily Show and the funniest stand-up friends bring the comedy show to you on their new podcast. It's real talk comedy and storytelling recorded live in Brooklyn, New York City. They talk about sex, race, dating, parents, Awkward situations, even some celebrities you would just not expect. So to get it out, go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Two Dope Queens from WNYC Studios. Now back to this very intense therapy session. So I got to tell you this, Daryl. Whenever you respond excessively or intensely to a situation in the way that you did, it tends not to be about that situation. So the rage that you experienced wanting to choke him out slowly wasn't about him. Who was it about? I don't know. Tell me who did not listen to you when you were younger. I don't know. I think everybody listened. (laughs) No, I'm not buying that. I don't know. I, you know, I wasn't, I told you, like, as a child, like, I wasn't really neglected. Nothing like that that I can remember. Like, every, you know, I always got attention. I just had too much energy, you know? Think about it. 
Because to me, it sounds like you kept giving him information, giving him information, but he's not responding in the way that was, quite frankly, appropriate and respectful of what you were giving to him. You were not asking for anything out of the ordinary. You didn't say, please take the scenic route or do like a car speed chase. You said, follow my directions because I know how to get us there. Who has responded to you in that way in the past? Other Uber drivers. <laughs> wait, wait. I need to tone down my cackle because... I don't even speak to people that don't listen to me, so... No, 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 no. You know? I'm not even talking about an adulthood because... I don't remember. I don't... And, I, really, and, I truly and, don't. And, and I think that that is understandable because whomever that person was left a mark on you. And you were still playing that out to this day. Perhaps. I give you instruction. I give you information. What I'm saying to you is appropriate and logical, but you are ignoring me. That's enough to make someone want to punch a hole in a wall. And I think that's one of my issues that I I get angry when, you know, I'm not even going to say angry because now I don't even, I just cut people off. Like, I'll give you the information. I'll tell you what we need to do to do, get something done or whatever it might be. If they don't listen to it, I just, they just die while being alive. Like, Which I think is safer for you and for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which shows evolution in the way in which you're interacting with people, but it's still something that you can work on and change. Yeah, I need a lot of work and change. <laughs> so what's I feel like we're jumping all over cuz we haven't we're trying to catch up a year's worth of what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. Um I want to give you one technique for when you are feeling anxious in a situation and you don't have access to your weed. You need to wear a rubber band. It's something called thought stopping. You know, one of those thick, ugly rubber bands that people have for mail mm-hmm. that come in your... If you are... What what hand are you? Right-handed or left? Right-handed. So on wear a rubber band on your left wrist. And so what you're going to do when you're feeling tight and itchy scratchy, what you're going to do is you're going to f- pull it back and you're going to flick yourself as hard as possible to bring yourself back to your body in the present time. Mm-hmm. Because what happens... When people start to take you there, you dissociate. It's like you are not you. You're whomever that age, that whatever that place was when the person first disrespected you in that way and you responded to that person. So thought stopping, I found with some of my patients, has been effective with decreasing anxiety. Just in case you're not traveling with your marijuana. Yeah, because I think that's exactly what it is. It's like anxiety. I get real anxious. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed, too, is that when I don't when I don't have my weed, I'm very confrontational. I don't mind my business. I want to get into everybody's business like I want to stir shit up. You know, what I mean? like, become mischievous. When I when I wake up in the morning, I usually like go on Twitter and I tweet. And uh-huh. sometimes I like go in. And that's usually because I didn't smoke weed. And. 
I don't understand it. I do understand that I know it's cause I didn't smoke weed now, you know what I mean? But it's like I go off like all the time. And I think and that's it's not even planned. Nope. It's like it's just it just happens, you know? Tell me when you wake up in the morning, uh oh. Can you remember your dreams? Do you remember whether or not you've had dreams or nightmares? You know, I haven't really had a dream in a long time. You have dreams every night. You just can't remember them. Everyone does. I probably just don't remember them. I haven't remembered a dream in probably like a year. Do you remember your last dream? The last dream I had, I think I was getting shot up in a car. Do you remember any other details? I've had so many dreams like that when I have money and pay no mind to them shits no more. (laughs) Do you know that dreams are the mind's way of discharging things that are going on with us every day that we can't process in our conscious awake life? So when you're having dreams about getting shot up in a car, that's anxiety. Mm. Anxiety that you will not be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor, and that it will end. You ever worry about that? No. No, but your dreams demonstrate that you do. No, no. I don't don't care about anything. I've succeeded already in life. I keep telling people Uh, that. Okay, okay, okay. Seriously. If that were the case, then I wouldn't be here. You care enough to have a discussion about what you need to work on and what troubles you so far once a year. That's more than it was a couple of years ago, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. So you're smoking weed. Oh, let's go back to waking up and using Twitter as a means of discharging all of your frustration and anger when you don't have a good night's sleep. So you think that's what it is? I think that that may be one of the reasons why you do it. Think I need more pillows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you need more pillows? Maybe. Maybe I need I need a better night's sleep. Okay, so we're talking about sleep and pillows. Let's segue into love because you said that you don't love anyone but yourself. No, I love people. Let's talk about romantic love. What's going on? I have romantic love. <laughs> Anything been happening lately? I deal with women. You know, um, um, I'm so focused on myself that it be, it's really hard for me to maintain a relationship. I've been dealing with the same girl for years, but, like, it's a disconnect because I want to. My my fun is, like, winning. My My fun is doing more shit to better myself. It's not really partying. It's not, you know, I have no joys besides improvement, improving myself. Like, I don't even know if people knew how much I worked on myself before I got the podcast to when I got it to what I'm doing now. Because, you know, I don't speak on stuff a lot. So I don't, you know, I'll talk about everything else but myself. Absolutely. All the superficial, all the stuff that you think people need to know. You know? Absolutely. That's one way of remaining uh, defended and not vulnerable. Exactly. Okay, so talk to me. Do you not want to talk about this because you you said 
There's one woman in your life. Now you're, we could talk about it. I don't, you know. You're I mean? focused on stuff. Yeah. What's your present status? My present status is working with her. We we on we on okay terms. We're like on and off. What's going on? Nothing. I'm just busy. I'm busy. She needs attention. I don't have time, and it it um attention takes a lot when I'm trying to you know give attention to myself. So you're trying to be um, selfless and letting her know that you can't give her everything that she needs and wants. Yeah. You know, just like I said, like, you know, I've had the discussion with her, like, you know, if you don't, you don't have to deal with me. I wouldn't even be shocked. You know what I mean? Would you not be shocked? No, I wouldn't be shocked because I know that I'm not doing a good job. How can you improve? While at the same time still getting yours and striving f- towards success. I don't know. That's If I did know, then I, I probably would have fixed it already. But I don't know because my brain um, really, like, it boomerangs back to myself all the time because I'm really at a stage, like, you know, I always talk about prison because prison fucked me up. Like, it helped me in a lot of spaces mm. as far as mentality and my mental and how I think about certain things and um, certain experience I had um hardened me so much that it actually wisened me up, you know. So, um, I don't know what was the question again. I, I don't know. <laughs> thought again. You know how this marijuana, man. Okay, okay. So listen, listen. We were talking name. about what you could do differently, and you said you don't know. Oh yeah, I don't know. Okay, I think part of the reason. Uh, why you don't know is w- what did your parents teach you about love, romantic love? Yeah, they didn't teach me anything about romantic love. And I think that that is one of the biggest problems, one of the many, actually, in the black community is we don't teach our children about romantic love. So a lot of people are misinformed, clueless, and they think that if someone buys them a bag, that's love. Mm-hmm. If they think that someone is depend, depend dependent upon them, that's love. Mm-hmm. That's not love. So you have an opportunity to ask me, what can I do differently? Yeah, what is love? Because I don't know. I didn't get the manual. Pa. <laughs> I didn't. You know, I never received it. So you know, actually, uh, uh, one of my patients recently asked me, "What is love?" And everybody has their own definition. But I think everyone everyone need have a working definition because if you don't, then how do you know whether or not you've attained it? Mm-hmm. So what is your expectation of this woman whom you love? Um, just to be there when I need to have sex. You know what? No, it's not. You just know what? That. Oh, but you can stop it because what you're doing now is you're giving the listeners what they want because no, it's easier this is true. for. This yes, is really how sex I feel. is no. Sex is incredibly important. Having a healthy sex life is important, but it's not the primary reason why you've been with this woman for many years. No, I've been I've been with her because she 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 um she held me down. So she's loyal. Yeah, she's loyal. And I respect that. But this is this is the point that I'm at in my life that I don't I don't care if a woman is loyal or not. 
I'm that busy that I don't have time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's serious. It's to that point to where even if a woman was great and all she could be, then it would be hard for me to be great because I can't hardly share myself right now because I'm being so selfish right now with myself. Okay. Do you think that romantic love with her would impede your success? No, no, not at all. But you so know, you were purposeful. Women require certain things. You tell. Let's not talk about women. Talking about this woman. We're all not right. talking about women in general. Your woman. Mm-hmm. What does she need? She needs um a lot of attention. Okay. A lot. As do you. Go on. Um, I don't care who I get it from, though. That's a. That's we're gonna shelve that. <laughs> Because that's understandable. But let's talk about her. She needs attention. Mm-hmm. She needs time. Anything else? Um, I don't know. She might want me to fuck her longer. Okay. That's a possibility. <laughs> I'm sure on some level that the marijuana use and the alcohol abuse impede your um, stamina. My stamina, right? Absolutely. The, the second nut be lit, though. Okay, that's for her to say. We don't know. You may be you may be over exaggerating your sexual performance just because it's entertaining, and of course no, you're over exaggerate anything. I just say she uh, might want me to go longer. Like, okay, so better sex, yeah, more attention, more time. Are you loyal and faithful to her, or rather, um, faithful? I'm very loyal. Are you faithful? Yes. Meaning, are you, do you sleep with other women? I did before. I have. Did she know about this? No. Did you tell her? No. She'll know now because it's on the podcast. How do you feel about that? Hmm? I don't really, you know. We wasn't really together when it was happening. Okay. Like that, we would break up and then I would go have sex. And so how do you think she's going to respond to hearing this? She might slap me. She's violent. Is she really? Yeah. You two communicate in that way? No. When we first got together, we had a couple scuffles. Mm-hmm. And we don't anymore. Now you're able to better control your impulses? Yeah, that's how I know, like, I've grown with a lot of things. I've learned to just, what I do is I just, you know, and I feel like she sometimes, like, wants a fight out of me. So whenever I see that, I just cut her off. What do you think that's about, her wanting a fight out of you? I'd be thinking it's attention sometimes. And what else could it be? Sometimes when others try to evoke those intense emotions and those reactions, it's because they want you to demonstrate that you love them by reacting. Mm. So if you, um, if she was goading you, trying to get you to, to, to say something back to her and you just walked away, people tend to be devastated by that because they think that you don't care about them. And I, I was doing a lot of that. But it was more out of saving myself. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and beat your ass. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, you know? Like, that's the last thing I want to get locked up for is domestic violence, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, just like I've said, like, even with that, you know, because even, even before that, I've hit women, you know? Mm-hmm. I've done it, like, and 
to this day, I don't like, I don't have like a, um, I don't have, I grew up with nothing but women. I always tell people this. And so the women used to literally beat the shit out of me. Like my cousins used to beat me up bad. And so I always fought girls uh-huh. by growing up with them. So when I went outside and a girl would say something or, or, or like threaten me, I would literally fight them the same way I would fight a dude. And it was only because I knew that I got hurt by women. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So even like I know growing up, like I used to hear people say, they be like, yo, how could you, you know, hit this woman or, or fight this woman? And it was like, nobody never understood that it was like, yo, I was literally in the house shooting a fair one with women. Like they was jumping me. I never forget my cousin. Shout out to my cousin Fulana. She just bought her first house. I never forget they had me under a blanket and like almost killed me. Like, I couldn't breathe, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they was hitting me, and one mm-hmm. of them hit me with an old-school skate, you know, the two in the front, two in the back skate. Wow. You know how heavy them shits was? I do remember wearing those. Like, so these are memories that I have, like, that I that I never forget, you know what I mean? And I think that was a part of me, like, when I went outside not caring about if it was a woman, man, child, because you were unable to discern the context is one thing to be fighting women in your family when it's kind of an understood, accepted thing in the house. Mm-hmm. But you didn't then took it and transferred it to the outside world. Yeah, you know that one time when you get hurt, it's almost like the child. You tell a child don't touch a stove and then they don't they don't touch it. Then they touch it and they get burnt and they, uh-huh. they realize they don't touch it anymore. I think it was more of that effect that where what happened was that when I realized that I could get hurt by women, it was like, you're not hurting me because I know you can hurt me. You know what I mean? So that's why even today when I have discussions with women about that, I'd be like, listen, don't provoke no man and don't be out here hitting no man because you might hit a man that might hit you right back immediately. You don't know what's going on in his head, what that man been through or whatever. And when I say that, sometimes I'm talking about myself Absolutely. because I know what I went through because I had to really like really analyze it and think about it. Like, yo, why I don't care when so much other people care mm-hmm. or might seem to care, you know, because I've had people say I would never put my hands on a woman. And I'd be like, I don't know why not. If you said this woman just hit you, you better hit her back. You know what I mean? And it's because I've been so hurt by my by girls that I'm like, listen, I'm fighting whoever outside. I don't care who it is, a, a stray dog, a woman. Or- Absolutely. It's about survival. It's but about I have survival. to remind you that the family context is different from the outside world. Mm-hmm. And whereas your family understood that this was something that we can do and we can recover from it as a family together or however it was that it was resolved, the world is not forgiving in that way. Oh, yeah, I know. So I have to implore you to not fight women. Well, yeah, I'm not fighting no women. I just run away now. I figured it out, too, but to see what I have figured out. On Twitter, when I first came home from jail, Mm -hmm. I would get into arguments with people on Twitter and I would see these dudes in public places and they didn't want to do anything. They didn't want any any aggression. They didn't want to fight. They always would cop out. They would cop the plea to me. Right. And the women never did it. Not once. Mm -hmm. And what I realized then was that women were more brave than men. In many regards, yes. Listen. And the reason all because 
women who might, you know, women don't have gun beef like that. There's not women really outside shooting each other or, you know, maybe it might be some stabbings going on and stuff like that. I'm not laughing because it's not funny. But, you know, um, a man that's outside understands that, like, yo, we can die if this yes escalate too far mm-hmm. or escalate mm-hmm. where a woman doesn't have that she doesn't receive those same penalties so she's way more brave than the man would be the man could know somebody that i shot did something to whatever and he like listen i don't want that to happen to me the woman thinks it can't happen at all so, so they're more daring they're more daring yeah they're more brave they'll mm-hmm. they'll slap you they'll they'll punch you in your face they will this is true. I said this on Twitter numerous times. I've This is a study that I went through personally mm-hmm. with several men and several women. And I'm going to tell you, not one woman backed down. And that's when I realized that I didn't ever want to fight women again. I was like, I don't want to fight them. It's just beautiful just seeing that they that brave. And it started making me realize why women were so instrumental in the civil rights movement and a lot of other things in life. I started thinking back because I said they were more brave than the men. The men would would scale, even though, you know, back then women would get raped, you know, and, and, Absolutely. and everything else. But it, it still was worse on the men in terms so of the, the way in which society dealt with it. So there was a fear that mm-hmm. the man will have that they wouldn't want to go certain extents or lengths or speak their voice or be brave and say certain things opposed to the woman mm-hmm. that was like, no, fuck that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, that's, that's, that's where I think I really fell back from even caring or entertaining. Well, I think that that's wise on your part because you have a lot to lose. And I think we may have an important piece of the puzzle with regard to your rage. This episode of Tax Season is brought to you by Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed specifically for coarse, curly hair and sensitive skin, clinically proven to reduce and prevent razor bumps, discoloration, and irritation. There's a reason 9 out of 10 Bevel customers come back month after month. Up to 80% of black men and women struggle with razor bumps, and up to 30% of all men and women encounter razor bumps as well. Multi-blade razors only cause more irritation, and razor bumps while hair removal creams are messy and can leave burns. Start shaving smarter today at GetBevel.com. Get the first month of your Bevel subscription free. Enter promo code TAXSTONE at the checkout. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L.com. Use code TAXSTONE to get your first month of your Bevel subscription for free. What do you think you were experiencing when your female, to use your word, um, cousins were holding you down? Under the blanket. Shit. I was feeling like I was about to die out that motherfucker. Nah, I was, I was feeling, I, I was feeling helpless. Like I couldn't help myself. Like it was, they was like, it was really, I couldn't save myself. Like if my, um, if my, um, my other cousin, Dan, if I call my aunt, cause she's like my second cousin, she's older. Mm-hmm. But, um, if my other cousin, Dan, if then, um, like stopped it, like, I don't know. I might have died. Like, I was really that close to my last breath. I felt it. Like You were panicking. I was, especially. I was fighting. 
you know, trying to fight to get from underneath it. At the same time, I'm losing breath. I'm losing breath. I'm losing air. I'm losing my oxygen. And I like literally felt it getting that close. And then like I got like saved at the last minute, but got a busted head from the skating shit. And like I'm telling that moment right there was my defining moment where it was like, I don't give a fuck who hits me. They getting fucked up. Okay, so let us come to the future when you're sitting in the Uber. You're feeling helpless. You're feeling like you're not being heard. And so how does your body respond? Damn, that's crazy that you said that shit, man. Because you know what? That shit was the exact same feeling. (laughs) It really was. You just said it was your defining moment. It really was. That was the exact same feeling. Like, when I was in that Uber, it felt the same way. It just, I didn't have a blanket over me. You had an emotional blanket over you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's another thing that I know about me. As much as I deal with intelligence, I deal with a high level of emotion, too. Absolutely. You're very complex. So... I get mad when I realize that I'm dealing with, you know, what? too much emotion. And so does that help you being angry with yourself for being an emotional person? That actually calmed me down when I was in the Uber. I realized I was being too. And I was like, I need to breathe. I need to fall back. I'm bugging because I was like really sitting there breathing hard and hyperventilating. Like I was getting like real. Okay, so what you're saying is not that you were being harsh and critical of yourself. You were giving yourself a reality check. Mm -hmm. This is going too far. I need to talk myself down. And you did that. Mm -hmm. But the rage that you feel or felt towards that Uber driver and people on Twitter and random people goes back to that. The rage you felt towards your female cousins for almost killing you it may not have felt like that to them this is just a a daily beating Mm -hmm. but that's the mark that it's left on you and the only thing that can calm you down from that aside from you know actually that one instance where you talked yourself down is the marijuana shout out to the marijuana it's a great thing. All right. So let's go back to your, because we can <laughs> jump around all day. Let's go back to your romantic love mm-hmm. and how difficult it is for you to try and balance work and your woman. Mm-hmm. I think that the work thing is an excuse. It's well, not. No, no. Hear me out. When we love people, we make time. You made time to come here tonight. Mm-hmm. This is my work. But you I'm made time. time for I, my work. But you made time to come here tonight so you can make time for her. The question is, what would be the drawbacks of making time for her and actually giving her what she wants and needs? No, nah, it's not about the, you know. Does someone answer my question? Our, our schedules are conflicting. So that's a part of it. You know? No, I don't. (laughs) 
no, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? No. Listen, seriously. I know. I, I hear that all the time. People say, oh, when you really love something, you'll make time. And listen, we do. You know what I love? What? I love my fucking work. And that's why I make time for it. Absolutely. You are determined. You are exemplary. I've, listen, in, I lost in years your of my work life. In, stop. I have things to do. I'm about to be 31. I don't own a house yet. I should have owned three. You understand? There's certain things. I held myself at a certain, you know, status and status. Absolutely. I look at myself a certain way. So it's like I have to, I have things to do. I'm, I'm busy. Okay. And I give you that. But from my side, the outside looking in, these are rationalizations, otherwise known as excuses for what makes it difficult for you to become more intimate with your girlfriend. Because there's something about the closeness. It's called pursue or distance or the closeness and then the apart. The closeness and the apart. It's easier to do that than to be fully committed and invested in someone that loves you. Because love is terrifying. Because you have said to me, everybody lets you down. So what would make her any different? Yeah, but that's what, you know, I prepare myself for letdowns. And, I don't and, trust and, humans. Exactly. And she is human. And she will let you down because people let others down. That's part of being human. Mm-hmm. But rather than put yourself in a vulnerable space, yes, I said vulnerable, um, you would rather push her away. Because using work as an excuse not to t- make time is just that as an excuse. And so once you've attained these goals of having three houses and being at the pinnacle of your success, you'll be at the top of the mountain by yourself. And I I know you're going to say, I'm okay with that. (laughs) No, I'm alone. I'm really alone. I know you are. I'm I'm really alone. Like I, I, I need my space. I need like I love watching movies by myself. I don't like watching them with people. I like being by myself, you know. I do. I like walking around butt naked, dolo, you know what I mean? Just shit like that. I don't I'm not really the 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 party person like and it's crazy cuz I know when people see me sometimes like I might be with a couple people mm-hmm. and it looks like but I'm like a loner. I am a loner. Like and like I got a friend that's like a Leo also and that's why I started thinking like it might be a Leo trait and mm. he's like the same way. Like I like I spoke to him today. I speak to him like every day, and then I won't speak to him for about four months. He disappear. He disappear. Or you would stop talking to him. Nah, he just disappear. He'll just stop calling me. I won't call him, and then and that just be it. He four months away, and he just doing him, and I do the same thing. Okay, just so in a different way. What you're talking about is is you're you're reinforcing my hypothesis about you with intimacy is it's difficult for you to maintain that because of the possibility of being hurt. So you got these intense relationships, all good people know you. And then somewhere within it starts to begin, it begins to feel uncomfortable. So you need a timeout just like you and your girl need a timeout every (laughs) once in a while. That was kind of a jewel. (laughs) Because it's true. I really, I really be needing like my little breaks mm-hmm. in space is true. <laughs> that shit is true. What would it take for you? And I'm so ready for a comic response. What would it take for you 
to trust in developing greater intimacy with your girl? What would it take for you to be able to do that? More success. <sighs> you know, I, I'm, I'm accepting the fact that the annual meetings can only do but so much. <laughs> You're going to have limitations because it's scary to look at yourself and to determine that there are certain things that need to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Like trusting in humans, especially one who loves you as deeply as your girl does. Yeah, but you know, I trust her. But what what I'm saying is this. No, you is, don't. Is, um, no, you don't trust her. <laughs> you don't trust her. Because you don't trust anyone. You trust people to a point, but there are limitations. And so you may trust her. You feel wholeheartedly, but you don't trust her enough to be that open with her on a continuous basis. That's true. That's true. And you know what? You're right. That's what everybody, because I don't, I don't speak about anything. I don't, I don't share certain things. And it's crazy because my mother had called me the other day and mm-hmm. like, she always finds out stuff about me from other people, you know? And it was like, and I had to realize that I was like, damn, yo, you know, I really don't even share shit with my mother. What do you think stops you from sharing things with your mom? It's, it's not it's not even it's not because it's my mother. No specific reason. It's just it's an everybody thing. And I've got to say to you that it's not an everybody thing because your mother is different from everybody. She birthed you. No, I love my mother and I speak to my mother about things that, you know, that I, I've, I've never, you know, me and my mother have a great relationship. But what what I learned in, in you know, in business is that when you 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 pre prematurely tell people things or mm-hmm. or celebrate and things don't go through you look like a liar or you look like the person that's always losing so like for instance like you know i always knew i was i knew for shit a long time i was gonna do a podcast but you know when it came to the world like it's when i did Charlemagne show so everybody thought that was like the spark of it like Yo, you're going to do a podcast. I was like, motherfucker, I've been doing a podcast for almost seven months. Like, I've just been trying to figure it out. Right. You know what I mean? So, I don't prematurely tell people things. So, what if. I'm sorry. I feel that's a lot of times where the disconnect comes and people feel like I don't share shit with them. But it's like, I'm not sharing anything with you that's not official, that's not a certainty. When I share it with you, it's certain. What would happen if you were to share it prematurely? When you share things prematurely, you get judged. And so are you saying that you're fearful of judgment by your mother? No, I don't want judgment from anybody. Let's talk specifically about your mother. Mm-hmm. Let's say you had told your mother this news. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to hear it from someone else. Well, it's the same thing with my mother because my mother my mother is a person that I've told numerous times I wasn't going back to jail but I went back my mother is a person that I've told numerous times that I was going to get a job and never did until I got a podcast my first job <laughs> you understand mm-hmm. so if I sit there and I tell my mother anything she might not believe it because I told her so many times 
that I was going to do this or straighten out or this, that, and the third. So what I've learned is just to shut the fuck up until you do shit. And then people will believe you because you actually did it, you know? So you don't want to disappoint your mother, nor do you want her to say to you, okay, yeah, I don't really truly You said that last time. Exactly. You understand? And my mother has said that last time to me a lot of last times. How does it feel? Or how did it feel when she said that to you? You feel you, you, it's, it's a, it's, it's fa- you feel like a failure. No, don't say you feel. Use the first person. Me, I feel like a, I felt like a failure. And that's, that's the reason why I don't promote things or I don't share things with people until they're done or things are certain because, you know, for instance, like, you know, I've been doing all types of stuff. Like, um, I remember, um, when I first hit Charlemagne and I was like, yo, man, I heard you getting a show on MTV. Yo, let me get on your show, man. And he was like, yo, all right, I got you. And like, this was like in November. And then like, they hit me in like April or something. I think uncommon sense started like, so probably later than that, it started in the year, mm-hmm. but they hit me months later. But the thing was, is that I thought about that and I say, yo, man, if I told somebody back in November that I was going to get on Charlemagne's show and the show didn't start till May, you know how many people would have been saying I lied to them. You understand? Well, not that- I actually forgot about the show until they hit me up and was like, yo, like MTV2 emailed me, Viacom emailed me like, hey, Uncommon Sense starting. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I forgot that shit. But I, oh, I thought back to that very moment when I hit him and he told me that I would be on it. And I said, what if I announced this to my girl or told somebody within this time? December, January, February, March, April, you know. So you are fearful of other people's judgment and feeling like a now, failure. I don't fear their judgment. I don't want it at all. Oh, well, because we fear <laughs> what the judgment might be. Nah, and that's coming I don't from judgment. and that's coming from someone. I don't who, give a fuck what nobody thinks. I don't want your judgment. You do. You just said you did not want your mother or your girl to say that you are a failure. You told them something. They had an expectation and you let them down. Mm-hmm. But that was to my mother. And to your I girl. I don't want to seem like a failure to my mother. So that me doing that with her made me realize that you can't do that with anybody. If you people will start to expect things, if you tell them certain things, if I tell you, you know, yo, I I can get you this job. You're going to expect the job. And then I didn't really know if I could get it for you or not. I didn't really make the calls. I didn't go to certain ways. So now it doesn't happen. It's like, this motherfucker told me he was going to get me a job. Okay, but that's very different from you making every effort to get that person the job. You're talking about integrity and one being impeccable with your word. Mm-hmm. Things tend not to come to fruition when you don't do shit. Mm-hmm. But someone promised you something. For example, in the uncommon sense thing. Mm-hmm. And so if it doesn't come to fruition, it's not your fault. So you're not a failure. Yeah, but no, you're a I, victim of circumstance. Yeah, it's different. Yes, yes, I understand that. But what I'm saying is that from 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 that point of view, this is the discussion that I don't want. I don't want to have the discussion. You understand? No, you don't want to have the discussion because you like things very black and white. Yeah, and that's not the way the world works. What you 
don't like humans, but you tried to be inhuman, like a superhero. Yeah, you have but to you're be. Not, but you're not Black Panther. You have to be. Even though you're wearing all black. <laughs> you're not. You have to be a superhero. It's impossible. You gotta be Superman. That's fiction. I think it's healthy, especially as a black man, to have aspirations to do your very best. Mm -hmm. However, what you're asking of yourself is perfection. I know I'm not perfect. Nothing's perfect about me at all. Then stop. But what? 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 I what I strive for per- perfectness with certain things. Well, then wait. You 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 just undid what you just said. There is no such thing as perfection. We do our very best, and there are results. Mm-hmm. You're human like the rest of us, Daryl. I know that. I just don't want to be down with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a mutant, man. You, X-Men <laughs> fucked my life up, man. Oh, you, man. <laughs> I just don't want to be down with y'all, man. Okay. Like, en- envision this, please. Envision you having an idea. It's not concrete, but you have a feeling it's going to work out for you. You share this with your girl. She's in on the process. That one reinforces your sense of trust, vulnerability, intimacy, and hope. And then it happens. Did you lose anything? Would you lose anything by doing that? No. Well, but just like I told you, man, you know, part of the reason that I don't say anything either is that I'm very secretive. And I'm very secretive because... I don't like people, other people knowing what I'm doing. Like, I sometimes I want to tell people around me what I'm doing. Like, yo, I'm about to do this. And what I've realized is some people talk too much because they're so happy of what you're doing. Like, I got a friend. He's proud of, proud of the shit that I do. And he fucking just tells people all my fucking business. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Okay. Uh, can we come up with a different way of saying that to him? No, I think that's the best way. You need to know that I'm mad about you doing this, you know? Okay, okay, okay. Did you actually sell, tell him to shut the fuck up or did you just cut him off altogether? Nah, I definitely told him he need to shut the fuck up a couple times, you know? Okay, just... okay. Imagine. Um, you. So you said that you actually told him to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you. You're your friend. I just discovered that you told people something that I didn't want anyone to know. Um, so-and-so. I'm, I'm upset right now because I feel like you betrayed my trust. You know how I am. You of all people know mm-hmm. that I like to keep my stuff close to me. What are you doing? I want you part of my cipher, my inner circle. However, when you do things like this, it makes me want to cut you off. Mm-hmm. Please don't do it again. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I knew you were gonna do that. Can you? Can you? Can you come up with your up? Come up with your own way of doing that. I'm him. You're you. You are you. Mm-hmm. I told you I can't speak to my my friends like this. Find your own language. You don't have to use that my, is, language. That's my language. Shut, Shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up is my Shut the fuck up is not specific enough because it doesn't tell him 
that he is you know, at I, a I have I did explain to him within it like yo the things you know for instance um you know I'm I've been in the street all my life mm-hmm. so people knowing your next move could possibly yes. be a funeral absolutely so when people announce my next move you like anybody like I will literally cut your head off like I won't even speak to you ever again in life for telling somebody where I was about to go you understand and you might have not known that you're not supposed to do that but I don't got no time to teach you either you understand what I do do when people, new people come around and I try to you know try to let them know from jump how I move Absolutely. this is exactly how I move I don't like certain things. I don't like people offering. Don't offer any information about me. Don't do that because that's what happens. People offer it. And sometimes it's not asked, not even asked. They just offer it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tax. Yeah. Tax just was right there. Oh, tax be right in here. Or ta- and they'd be like, yo, why did you offer that information? And sometimes people are happy to be around you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are happy for you mm-hmm. and they don't understand that they could get you killed in the process. And, you know, I'm not in the streets anymore, but I still, you know, hold on to some of the principles that I learned in the streets. And stealth preservation is one of them. Absolutely. It's to move in and out without people knowing that you even came, no, not without people knowing that you're around. You know, I just had a discussion with a dude the other day, and he was like, he was saying, yo, your jeans is kind of tight. This is what he said to me. What do you mean? Like your literal jeans? Yeah, the jeans, jeans you're wearing? Yeah. And I was like, yo, you know, I started wearing fitted jeans many years ago because I didn't want to look like everybody else outside. I always carried a gun on me. So mm-hmm. I didn't want the cops to stop me because they was only stopping dudes that wore hats and had baggy jeans on. So that's why you never could date back to a picture where you see me with a hat on because I stopped wearing hats. Okay. And I, I started wearing fitted clothes because I said, if I look like this, they won't really stop me. And it actually worked. So I don't know why I said that just now. But um, because, you know, my mind went out again. But um, shout out to the marijuana. <laughs> so you were talking about um, you were talking about how new people come in, how new people no, from jump, not to say anything. However, they just offer things. And you live by the stealth-like, self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And so you knew um, that you wanted to maintain a particular way of living, even though you're not on the street. And Even within business, because I've reading, you know, reading up on Steve Jobs for so many years and mm-hmm. how he's maintained and how Apple became one of the, they were very secretive. Well, I think at this point, and you please correct me if I'm wrong, you're holding on to a lot of the principles from from when you were working in the street. And it's it's helped to build your brand. It's not just about you not wanting people to know where you are, because at this point, I don't really see anybody coming after you. I could be wrong. Uh, anybody come after you. I don't care. But it adds to the mystique. Yeah. So are you really upset with these people who tell others about your moves? Are yeah, you trying to preserve yes, because you're trying to preserve your brand or because you really don't want people to know or a combination? I don't want people to know, period, because a lot of things aren't their business. OK, you so know, how did I first you- did tax season? I wouldn't post a picture the day before and say this is what's going to be on tax season tomorrow. It would just pop up. That's how it always was. It would just be therapy episode with tax stone. Now you get it. You got it right now. 
I don't promote it an hour before. I'm not telling you what's going on. You understand? Mm -hmm. That was a big part of what the show was, was for you never to know what was it going to be. So that's why people always be like, yo, who's going to be on tomorrow? And I wouldn't say. And do you say now? Yeah, sometimes I'll do it. But, you know, sometimes I, I still don't. I just like to surprise them with an episode and not advertise what's going to be on there the next week, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when I started advertising what was going to be on the next week when I did the Joe Button episode. Job- <laughs> the clip was so crazy. When they sent me the clip, I was like, damn, I didn't even realize how crazy it was. I was like, I got to put this shit up. <laughs> I listened to that. How do you, how are you feeling about that episode today? I don't, I don't even give a fuck. I don't care anymore. I said what I said. You know what I mean? It doesn't really affect me or anything. Do you have any, cool. huh? I said Joe was cool. Okay. <laughs> what? What happened? I don't know because I'm remembering listening to it, the episode, and I don't listen to very many podcasts. Mm-hmm. And you seem very calm now. You were calm then too, but you started to get very upset. Yeah. It was one of those moments. I think, if I may share my opinion, yeah, you were almost like a clinician in that moment. You were able to track everything that he was doing and show him and everyone around him his strategy, his process. And it wasn't, um, it was interesting. That's what he said. He said, said, Joe Button called me an interesting creature. (laughs) That was No, 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 no. What he said was something altogether different. He said he wanted to observe you as though you were a creature or an animal in the wild. Yeah. And that is the most. That's what he wanted to. Ref- that's the image he wanted to reflect of me. That's why he said certain things when he was, oh, I don't know the block talk. And that's when I started getting mad when he started saying stuff like that. I was like, block talk. I'm like, you're a dope fiend, like to go to jail every week. You know, block talk. You understand? <laughs> yes, but you know, people get to reinvent themselves. And I, I, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. However, when you are invited to a show and you throw shots like that, because it was almost as if, well, at least to me, and I don't want to fuel the fire, so let me not say anything. <laughs> it was like you were some kind of unidentifiable creature that he had to figure out. Mm-hmm. Which to me is, is quite insulting. Nah, you know what it was? was I was, the, I was a creature that was calling him out. He wasn't used to that. He wasn't used to people around him. You've seen like, even his friends was making up excuses for the dumb shit he was saying. Like, know what he means. Like, for instance, one of the questions I asked him was, she said that you sat on her and did that. He said, well, you would have to ask her if she's lying. And that was like my point. Well, I was like, what? He's deflecting. I'm asking you, is she lying? <laughs> You know, and then when they was like, oh, because we don't know who Rory wrote. That was the funniest shit. Yeah, that's what I knew. Rory was crazy. So motherfucker Rory said, no, tax. We don't know 
what she's thinking. She could be thinking it's the truth. I said, what the? You cannot try to break this down. Yes, they can. They were using a legal way of approaching it or or analyzing it to keep him safe. Whatever. I don't want to advertise. I feel like, you know, giving people because this is not about Joe Budden. It's Mm -hmm. not even about that, that episode because who you're becoming is so much greater than any of that. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to, I'm not even trying to, once a year will work for me. <laughs> Let's go back to, I'm not going to try to convince you, even though I think you would benefit from it. Your girlfriend. Work and love. Because I think you do a lot of educating people about, you said, you know, not staying out of um, jail, you know, abstaining from criminal activity, especially when they're adolescents. You talk a lot about buying, um, promoting and supporting black businesses, uh, about being independent in terms of pursuing your goals, your dreams. You put people on, you're the, the A&R guy who, you know, the panda guy. I don't know the panda <laughs> The panda guy? Designer? Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. You do a lot of wonderful work and you cover many, many bases. The one thing you don't promote is love. Because I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm busy. What would it be like if you were to send a weekly... You know, there's some people in love out there that's not busy. They're just in love. They need to go get busy. They need to go get right. Like, I don't want to be in love. I don't, I never wanted to be the in love broke person. And you know, in love broke person, there's nothing wrong with being an in love broke person. No, no, I don't want to be that though. Ain't nothing wrong with it for them, but I don't want to be that. You know, certain things, I have a vision, you know, and my vision is to be as great, as great as tax can possibly be. That's my vision. So before I could, embed myself in a relationship and be super serious and be loved and enjoy this relationship. I got to get right myself. I'm not fully there myself. Okay. But I hear what you're saying. You're making up for lost time. However, things always or can feel better, seem better when you have a loving partner beside you. So let me ask you this. When's the last time you went on a vacation with your girlfriend? Um, a minute. A year? Like four. Wow. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. I don't got no time to vacation. You what have... am I vacationing for if I ain't putting in enough work? And I do I do agree with that. Vacation as a reward. But I think you have been putting in a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And you need to, to give yourself credit and appreciate that also. What's two days? No, nah, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to take on vacation. You just saying that? No, nah, I'm serious. You made a plan? Yeah. I'm taking on vacation. I'm dead serious. Does she know this? No, she gonna fucking find <laughs> out. If she hear this shit. Wonderful. You know what I mean? So that's it. You know, I guess. How about one more thing? What? The one woman on Twitter who you kind of bully all the time. Who bully? The woman who um. You put up her picture. I don't know who she is. Dominican girl. Yes. I post her girl because when I first found her, right, uh, somebody I know, another girl hit me and was like, yo, look at, the, look at this video of her. And she was in the video crying with her son. And 
she was talking to the baby father on Instagram, but I posted the video laughing because that shit had nothing to do with her son, that video. <clears throat> she just wanted the attention from the man. Yes. So I posted this up laughing and I had a like a bunch of feminists that was like, what are you laughing at? That's not funny. And I said to them, I said, she's doing that because she wants the man. Two days later, she posts a picture up with the man. You understand? Now, I started going back to her, her profile after that, just watching her. Mm-hmm. And I seen that she had a level of confidence that I haven't really seen in women at all. Okay. So I seen this strength she had. So I started posting her videos because I was like, yo. And see, I never slandered her. That's what people don't understand. I never said anything about that girl. Can't one person find one negative thing I ever said about her. I will post her videos up and I will say, be safe, though. And that was it. Because I will let the people assess what they seen in the video. She had a level of confidence that no girl, she, her hair wouldn't be done. I know girls that I knew and dealt with for years that wouldn't even come outside to hug me in a car if their hair wasn't done, you know? So to see her take these 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 um videos in the mirror and garbage be on the floor and her just not care and pose and say how she's bad it just was like yo why don't y'all possess this you know because it's women i know just like i said gorgeous women that won't leave the house without wearing makeup won't do certain things see just like i said because i've had other people also say that tax why you keep bullying her the only thing I could say I bullied her about is when she said, can you stop posting my video? I remember that. And did you stop? No. Okay. Because it was so fucking funny. Like, <laughs> Okay. So, so, so you're saying two things. Mm-hmm. You're saying on the one hand, you respect her level of confidence. Yeah. No, I, I like her as a, as a person and like everything, like a person. However, there is some taunting and teasing and bullying. Well. Just say yes. Yes. Because you just said that. Okay. All right, the taunting so, comes but, from. The, ta- the just like I said, the taunting comes from her. She wants the attention, like she wants it. Okay, and you want attention also. You're both going about it in in similar ways by using social media. Mm-hmm. So, what is it about her that reminds you of yourself? Her confidence. That's why I like her. Okay, but you're not communicating that. You've not once, to my knowledge, and mm-hmm. of course I could be wrong because I am not on that stuff on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Have you once said, I am posting your stuff because you exude confidence and women I know don't do that? I heard directly and said that. Okay. And I also went through a friend's. Well, people that know her, people that told me they knew her, and I told them the same thing. I also told them I wanted to bring her on the show to speak to her about it because I really don't have anything against her, you know? Like, just like I said, I've had people say the same thing. Like, yo, you're bothering that girl. She's going to kill herself and all this shit. And it's like, listen, believe me, she has too much confidence to kill herself. Well, you don't. Let's not assume what her emotional state is. All right. That's right. Okay, That's so if if you're going to agree with me with that mm-hmm. concept, then there's a possibility that your taunting her could do that, depending upon what her state of mind is. Mm-hmm. So can you take some responsibility and not do that? No, this is y'all not understanding, because y'all only see my side. 
Y'all don't see the side and the texts that she send to people and the emails. Like, she's... What could she say? What could she say? She likes it. This is what I'm trying to tell y'all. She likes it. She wa- She was mad when I stopped posting her. I stopped posting her for months and she was angry. She came looking for me. She came, she made a video. I got to find it because my man did send it to me. She made a video and said, we're tax hate. You don't want to post me no more. Now nah, you don't want to post me because I got my own apartment. And I'm like, what? I just stopped posting you because you kept saying stop posting you. You okay. know what I mean? It's an attention thing. And I, I just like I said, I, I find, just like I said, her confidence is on another level. And I just really want to display that. Like every video she had, her confidence, like there's, I always tell people Instagram is what people want to sell. It's what they want people to believe about. Them. Absolutely. So, you know, there's certain women, they'll look, they have a kept image on Instagram. IG models. Yes. They have an image where, where they'll go to these, they'll take pictures in front of pools, on boats, luxurious restaurants. So now when dudes arrive, they think this is what they have to do. They think they, it's a resume. So when I see a girl, posing like these like these same girls Mm -hmm. but she's doing it with soda cans on the floor a pamper a kid and it's like yo her level of confidence is through the roof and she's actually being herself so that's why i loved it because i said some of these girls this bodies pulls and and taking these and getting these photo shoots and all this stuff they don't they're not never gonna take a picture in their kitchen and show you that they got a half a stove you understand <laughs> what i'm saying and a roach is on the side of the refrigerator right now so that was a part of me posting her also like it was a lot that had to do with it but that's why i always told you i never said anything about her all i would say was be safe though which is my hashtag and i would do it just because i wanted to see what people seen in the videos i wanted to see what people seen some people seen her confidence a lot of people seen the jokes oh she's dirty that's what she didn't like she didn't like the negative others judging her she didn't like the judgment you understand of 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 certain people where it was other girls that actually like yo I follow her I love her yo she's hilarious because like I find her mad funny too so like but that's the blessing and the curse of being on social media in that way you can't have it both ways yeah you can't put things out in the open and then say you want it to be private that's why I have my private and that's why I let out what I decide to let out and I think that that's healthy and that's safe. However, you weren't being completely forthcoming with the Twitter people by not. By by withholding the fact that she liked it and part of the reason why you were showing her, posting her is because you admire her confidence. Oh, I, I've said that a couple times because, you know, I've had, you know, a lot of feminists follow me and they, some of them times they come in my neck like, oh, and I'm like, listen, I posted her because I wanted to present to y'all the amount of confidence that she has is through the roof. You know, there's people that you know people are embarrassed about their situations situations that she uh, is not embarrassed about situations that she doesn't care to hide she spoke about on a video she spoke about buying a gucci buying gucci sneakers off somebody okay and talking to her baby father in the video and she said the last sentence the last words she said was and i just paid off the last 40 dollars on them sneakers 
You know, and it was just mad funny because I was like, nobody would have never posted a video Absolutely. saying they had a Gucci belt on layaway from a booster and they just paid the last $40 for it, you know? And this is real shit that's going on. And this is why I display it because I'm like, that same, the same girl that's by that pool in Turks and Caicos, wherever she at, is living that same life, but she will not display it. And this is why a lot of people find it funny. But funny is usually reality. You know what I mean? It's usually some real shit, and that's why you're laughing. And she's being real, displaying herself while everybody else is hiding. Superficial. Hiding themselves. You uh-huh. know, superficial. And that's why I love DMX and certain people. Like, people people talk about DMX is a crackhead. I'm like, I don't care. You know? I don't care. DMX is himself. He's being himself mm-hmm. at all times. Those are the people that I love, the people that be they self. I can't be cool with like, you know what I mean? With like a, 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 a um, like I can't be cool with a closet gay dude. You know what I mean? You appreciate like, honesty and people being real. Exactly. And I think that's part of the reason why people are so drawn to you. However, sometimes your realness crosses those boundaries. For example, if you are trying to promote, you know, a sense of, of uh, realness through posting this young woman's videos and you're trying to demonstrate how self-confidence is attractive and a necessary trait. You go and undermine it, Daryl, by saying something else. By teasing her and taunting her. So is there any way that you can consider... Stopping that part. You know, I could stop it all. Oh, stop being a drama queen now. I could. No. Mm -hmm. No. You're just saying that. Can you stop taunting this one person and actually give her her dap, which is you appreciate who she is? Mm -hmm. I've said this to her. I've said it in public. And I'm not taunting her. It just seems the videos that she's put out that I post seems like I'm taunting her. I'm not going to. She likes it. Stop it. I'm just asking you for yourself Mm -hmm. to stop doing that part. Yeah, I can do that. I can. There are four things, uh, four very simple, seemingly simple principles that I think might be helpful for you to consider. And they're not original. I didn't come up with them. The first is never make assumptions. The second is do not take things personally. The third is always be impeccable with your word. And the fourth is always do your best. You know, I have a problem with assumptions. What? I never assume out loud. Mm Mm-hmm. That's another thing I keep secret. And I think that's another part of like what triggers my violence because I'll assume things and I won't express them, but you will be guilty because of my assumption. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's one of my problems. Oh, my girl, I, um, I argue with her about assuming because she assumes out loud. So, you know, if you assume out loud, you know, you continuously being wrong, 
It's like you got to stop assuming, you know, and it's not like you're going to stop assuming because humans assume you're going to assume. But we can train ourselves to do it less. Yeah. And that's, I've trained myself to not do it at all. You do but it do out it, loud. You no, do it in secret. Yeah, I do it in secret. I just don't do it out loud. Okay. So then <laughs> making the assumptions can put you in a um, unsavory, unhelpful, and sometimes dangerous place. Yeah. I agree with that. Personalizing things can take you from zero to 60 in terms of your intense emotions and put you in a dangerous place. So those are things that you may want to try and work on in the next 12 months. You're right. <laughs> in the next 12 months, because I'll probably see you again in 12 months. In addition to making time for women you love and getting back to uh, what you first started saying in terms of not wanting to be vulnerable and attacking people who you believed were weak for considering suicide or actually committing it. Those people are the most vulnerable and they need your compassion, not your judgment. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've learned that. Okay. I've learned that the more and more I've, you know, spoken to people, speak to people about it. And so when they actually voice or vocalize wanting to do something like that, send them to get help. And so how are we with time? Because I am melting and tired. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Why didn't you call me off earlier? Hmm? You didn't want to stop? We could have stopped. Nah, we was, we was flowing. It's cool, though. How do you feel? I feel good. That's tax season. Oh. With Dr. Maya Pettiford. Always a pleasure. I always, always um, consider you brethren, and I wish you the very best. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for coming through. Thank you for being a friend of Loudspeaker Networks. Thank you. Tax season. Thanks again to the two dope queens and their dope new podcast. It's Phoebe Robinson and Jessica Williams bringing you the realest real talk, storytelling and comedy with a bunch of hilarious stand-up comedians. This podcast is recorded live in Brooklyn, New York City, so who knows what will happen. Get this podcast on iTunes whenever you go to your podcast app. This episode of Tax Season featuring Tax Stone is produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by Chris Morrow, and engineered by none other than Samir Karam.